you're listening to the podcast version of our video series, Unmuted, the place where we talk to industry leaders in the marketing and events world, all about the best tips and advice on how you can run better online events. This episode is with myself, Emma, and I'm talking with the selling machine that is Dean Seddon, CEO of Maverick, all about how you can generate more leads from your online events. During this episode, Dean is sharing some slides, so to get the full experience, you can head over to unmuted-show.com to watch the video version of this episode. Really hope you love this one as much as I do. Hi, Dean. It's great to have you on. Thank you very much for joining us. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I thought I might be a dangerous guest because I'm terrible at keeping to a stru- script. <laughs> That's fine. That's why we'll have you on. Just, It's fine. Just go with it. Just say what you want to say. Uh, really excited to have you on. I think I'm uh, really looking forward to this episode. Um, Dean, so like I say, great to have you on. Um, event planners, I feel, over the last year, year and a half, have, have kind of, they have changed how they think about and maybe run and market the events to move kind of fully virtual. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of event planners have still been missing the mark maybe a little bit with kind of seeing those leads really come in and and generating enough interest to to just see the the sales increase and and see enough leads coming in. So I know that's something that you do really well and Maverick Mm -hmm. do really well. Um, So I think it'd be really great to to get some advice and, and hear your insights really on on what more event planners can be can be doing in that sense. Um, I believe you do have some slides to share. Yeah, um, I've got a few slides, but um, I thought, um, Emma, if this is all right, I mean, just give some backstory to our journey through what's happened for the last 16 months. Yeah, of course, um, sounds great, yeah. So we were an event business. We made our money from events. So we would do training events, uh, 60 or 70 a year around the country, Europe, US. And literally, it was all about ticketed events. And that's what we did. And then obviously, with what happened, uh, you know, the, the virus and everything, we end up in a situation where our business model is gone. And uh, the, the one thing that everybody said, uh, and you, some of you might hate me for saying this is, oh, online events, they're not as good as in-person events. That's what people said. But actually, they're not even the same thing. They're totally different animals and beasts in terms yeah. of how we use them. And as, as a business, we were talking before this, Emma, um, when it's properly unlocked and everything's safe again, we won't drop online. We'll add in person back in and we will do both because it's a completely different channel that said um my talk today is, is really about how do we generate on leads online online through events or online events um i've got really three things i want to share and they're really simple things but actually they form part of a real strategy to make events pay um and make it profitable to do them because we know that online in some senses can feel like it's a bit commoditized. So if online events are by no means over, but actually what we've done is use them to prove value. And then from that you sell, whereas our in-person event, we would do a paid event and people would come. And it seems easier to sell and generate leads from events online 
and uh, in person is very much about it's a it's a sale in in and of itself. So I've got a couple of slides and I just want to share some stories with you of how we've made them work, how we found the hot leads within an event. Um, I won't really cover the topics because I know, Emmy, you've had some of that already about how to pick the right topic. But I just want to share a couple of things about that um, as well. So uh, just in terms of what we've done. So in the last 16 months, we've had 150,000 people on our events online. Actually, uh, it's I can't do the maths. Actually. I, I did the maths beforehand. <laughs> But literally 145,000 people, more people came to our online events than our in-person events. Wow. So completely different ball game. but we got 150,000 people through our events in 16 months. And that was mixed up of 100 online events. So a lot of people per event. Half of these people, well, 99% of these people didn't know who we were. They didn't know anything about us. So we really used our events for kind of three things. So uh, we use them for number one, awareness in the market. In other words, taking that 99% who don't have a clue who we are, don't know anything about us, and building an awareness of who Maverick is, who Dean is, what we do, and all of the basic stuff. So a lot of our events and our online events, we've designed it with the end in mind. Now, most people, most people would say that that's what they do. But actually, when it comes down to the topic, what we're looking to do, and I don't want to steal the thunder, thunder from the next slide, is we're looking to design an event that we know people will see the need for our service as a result of it. So if you're writing notes and if you're about to fall asleep, I promise there won't be long talking here, but you need to go, will this event, at the end of this event, people see the need and the value for our service or product? If, if you can't answer that, you've picked the wrong topic. If you can't answer that confidently, you've chosen the wrong theme. So that's number one. Number two, every business has their own unique way of doing things. Every business, your business, my business, we're all, all, all doing it in a slightly different way. Um, so, you know, even people making widgets, they make it differently between the two. So... On top of the awareness, we're trying to build belief. And I deliberately choose the word belief because belief is about them going, I can see how that can work. I can see how that makes a difference. And I can see how that could make a difference for me. And then there's another thing that we do in terms of immediate interest and generating leads. And I want to show you a couple of things there. So Great. very tactical. But the key thing is if you want leads from an event, you really have to work backwards to go, okay, we're going to end up in a conversation with these leads because these leads have shown an interest in what we do. How do we show them that they need us? The danger in your online event is you show them how good your service is and how shiny your product is and how amazing it is, but you don't actually show them their own need. And this is common in sales, in marketing. If you don't show your prospects, your attendees, your delegates, their need for your service or product, they're not going to be leads at the end. If they don't see the need, they won't become a lead. It's a good rhyme there. Uh, anyway, uh, so the first thing we do is we look for the process and the pain points. So what are the pain points? Pain points are really what, are the, what is the current reality of my customers or target customers or the leads I want to generate that I know I can fix? 
And then we build the events. We build our online events around what we're going to fix. So if I know that this company struggling with cold calling, for an example, I might put an event on, on how to get leads without cold calling because that's their struggle. And I teach into their pain and their struggle and their challenge. And the event is put around their pain and challenge, not around what I want to sell. So that's quite a change of thinking. But actually what happens is you attract target audience, attendees, delegates who have a need for your service. And I'll show you examples of how this works in a minute. The second one is the resources that we do, uh, an instant course to action, and then personal follow-up. So I'm going to walk you through these three areas where we make a huge difference in the way we do our events. That's why we get the numbers we do. That's why we get the conversions we do. And actually, we don't do that classic pushy buy now, buy now stuff. We just ditch the whole thing and said, if you want to talk to us, just talk to us because we built it around their need. So let me just uh, kind of go through a few bits for you. So first one on process and pain points. If you're looking to generate leads from your event, you have to understand that there are different frames of mind that your target audience will be in. And generally they're divided into four different stages. You know, you can make all different names up for them, but there's four different stages. There's people who are problem aware. In other words, we've got this issue with this and we're struggling with it. And you can build an event to, to deal with that. Then you've got people who are outcome aware. They want to achieve something, a destination. Then you've got people who are struggling to know whether this is the right decision. They're the harder events and generally more technical side of events. And then you've got the solution, which is where they, they fix on um, a specific route or path. And that's more about the process then. So let's say, for an example, a company struggling with um, sales, which is what I help with. So uh, why you're not getting sales, uh, how to how to fix a broken sales process would be an event we would do. And then we would go how to how to grow your uh, increase the performance of your sales team could be event number th uh, on outcome decision to change uh, account based marketing or cold versus cold calling could be uh, one way to do the event. And then the solution per solution and purchase stage is where they're considering a particular path. And that could be account-based marketing best practices. So these events all have a different frame, albeit the subject and the content may be very similar, but the way you structure the event and the way you target the event appeals to people at various different stages of the process. Now, what we found out with these four different stages is that the closer people get in their journey to finding a solution. So my sales aren't working. I want a better sales process. How do I get a better sales process? So they start Googling and researching and then they go, actually, we need account based marketing as the solution. Now, who can I find who will do it? So when you look at this graph and you go, OK, that seems really easy and simple. Well, actually, what most businesses are doing is they're appealing to people at the far right of this diagram. So at the solution stage and that's people who are looking on Google for account based marketing agencies or they're looking for online event platforms, or they're looking for all of those things, they're looking for a specific type of service to fix their problem and achieve an outcome. But what you learn about as you learn about this process, this journey that people go on in discovering is 
if you talk to people's problems and outcomes, you actually catch people all the way through the process. So you catch the people who are, you know, we need an SEO specialist and we need it now. That's what we're looking for. But you also meet people who are going, do you know what? I'm just not convinced that our web traffic's working. So, so this process and understanding where people are coming from is really important because then you can speak to the challenges they have as part of the event. And that really, you know, human beings are very, we're a bit self-centered, bluntly. <laughs> um, so we, we, we can talk and go and we find interesting what scratches our itch. So yeah. actually what we do is we look for what the challenges are and then we put the events on and the topics around that. And then that process naturally leads to, so how can you help me? So that's what we do. This is our little process. It's helpful to understand the different uh, stages people are at with their uh, problem, their their reality, their business. So you can go, well, where are are our customers on this journey? Who are we talking to? And actually, if we appeal down at the problem and outcome stage, we actually capture the whole process. Okay, that's really interesting, yeah. So... This next one about resources and instant call to action sounds a bit unconventional. But what we do in our online events is we have free resources. And we don't do the classic thing of tell people to go and get them off our website um, or give them a link to go and download it. We actually give them a call to action during the event and say, if you want this, email us and we'll send it to you. Now, that seems counterintuitive and it seems like a lot of work. But what we've discovered, particularly B2B, is that pretty much every sale ends up in a conversation. Before you have a sale, it's a conversation. And the more, the quicker you get into conversation with a a target or a lead, the better. Because you can qualify them, you can understand where they're at in their journey, but you can also tailor whatever proposal or presentation you're going to put to them. So we have instant call to action resources that we will reference in our event and we'll we'll tell people about them. So this is one of ours about one client profile. And we will say, if you want it, email us and here's our email address. Why do we do this and why do we do it in the middle of an event? Because it seems quite clunky. Well, the reason we do it is because In that moment, in that event, and I'll do it tonight, Emma, on our event. um, uh, The reason we do it is we get, uh, on our events, we'll get maybe 80 to 90 people. uh, 80 to 90 people will email us uh, asking for this. So 80 to 90 people will email us in the moment and say to us, I need this. Can I have this? Immediately, we've generated 80 leads who have a need for this form or struggling to understand their customer. And so they come into our inbox. Our sales team now know that these people are really interested. It's like a temperature level of the event. And so we literally create a resource, again, built around the pain and the outcome, the problem and the outcome. We build a resource for them to give them no, you know, the vast majority of people will view it, but not really know, understand exactly what to do with it. Like most lead magnets, they're not actually used. They're more um, uh, an insight piece. So we create this, give it to people. They ask, uh, we ask them to email us. They email in and we get a list of hot leads live during the event. So think about having some resources 
that you can leverage during the event that you can mention and reference as free resources. There's no catch with them. There's no opt-in, but they can email and ask for them. And then during the event, you get a gauge. Uh, I normally do them about halfway through the event, a gauge of these are the the, these are the key people who are very engaged with the event and, and uh, have a higher lead temperature than perhaps others. So that's generally what we would do. So number two is uh, lead resources with instant action, instant, instant call to actions. So if anybody's got any questions, uh, feel free to email them or put them in the chat. But um, uh, what resources, that's what we do. Now, the next one we do is when you do an event, replays, um, all of that stuff are really important. So when we finish an event, we will personally follow up everybody who's attended. Now, some of you might be listening to me going, Dean, you're asking me to do a lot of work. What typically happens with a lot of events is we put people into our newsletter and then they get a load of our newsletter stuff. And then eventually they uh, unsubscribe or make it, make an inquiry. We do exactly the same thing. The difference is before our newsletter kicks in is we make personal contact with the people to say, do you want to replay? Do you want a copy of this? And we'll send them to them. Sometimes I'll ask people if they want a copy of the replay to just drop me a message on LinkedIn or an email. And then I will create a conversation. Our sales team will create conversations, ask them what they found beneficial, have those one-to-one -one conversations and literally uh, book times to speak with them as follow-ups. I think that, that we all miss a trick with there's so much potential of automation and marketing automation and, and putting people into newsletters and stuff. But the real art of turning that list of attendees into sales and leads is getting into contact, two-way contact with them quickly after the event. So we use the replay as a tool to strike up those conversations to say, did you get, did you get value from it? Can, you know, even feedback, but don't word it as feedback. Drop them a message, just check in. Did you get into the event? Okay, cool. Was there any bits that we, uh, you think uh, was valuable to you? You know, all of those things. And if you want a conversation, and I literally just follow up with, not a template, but a standard format of one-to-one -one contact. It's high touch. And because it's high touch, you can immediately quickly qualify people. The danger of just putting them into your newsletter is they get all sorts of stuff. And the one power of an online event, whatever purpose you're using it for, following an online event, the trust, credibility, and um, almost... Um, engagement level of those people is massive and it fades very, very fast after the event. So you could, after the day after the event, you could put them into your email newsletter. They get something every week. In a week and a half's time, they can't remember anything. But in those few days after the event, you've got an opportunity to arrange a time to speak to them, to get into one-to-one -one contact and really move that relationship on. And I'm not talking about pushy sales tactics here. I'm just talking about asking them questions. Do they need any more information? Would they like to have a chat? All of those things because the trust level is so, so high. So tonight, for an example, I'm doing my event. I will have in the middle of it, 
I'll have free instant resources that they can email and ask for. Then we've got a temperature of who's our hot leads. Then the second thing is we're following up personally as members of the team, individually, one by one, asking them, did they find that a benefit? Did they need any more information? Would they like a conversation about it? All of those things we're doing in the in the 72 hours after the event, all personalized. And it sounds like a huge amount of work, but the conversion of those leads is massive in those 72 hours after the event because there's just so much trust and goodwill been generated. And the good thing is whether you're new to doing events or you've been doing them forever, just implementing these three things will actually change the engagement of your events. And I, I'd love to say that I've learned, you know, I developed this method, but actually what I've done is I've cobbled together things that I've learned over 20 years. And um, when you start to focus on these three areas, what you find is that your uh, show up rate and stay on rate of your online event holds up. So sometimes what can happen with an online event, with any event, but particularly online events, is people come and a bit like Netflix, if if the first speaker doesn't engage them, they, they, you know, you, you trickle down a bit and, and lose audience. But if you can stay focused on the key pains and outcomes of the customers that are coming or the delegates that are coming or the attendees that have signed up, they'll actually stay. And when we implemented this, um, this method, uh, we've been doing it for online events in a little way for a few years, but really massively since the pandemic, your show up rate holds up all the way through. And that's one of the key things. You want to generate more leads through your online events. You've got to get people to stay. And so focusing on topics where it's their pain is a huge, huge deal. So just a quick reminder, and then I'll, uh, I'll pass on to Emma, I think, because she's going to grill me, hopefully. Focus on the problems and outcomes as the themes and topics because they will help you get the people who need your service or your product or whatever you're trying to promote through the event. So let that infiltrate the titling of the event, the key topic titles, the, the works, the marketing. Then instant resources, instant call to actions where you can act actually get them to interact with the event and go and ask for it there and then whether that's through an event platform or whether that's through sending them an email or whether it's through any other method, but get them to signal, I want that. And that tells you the temperature level of the leads. And then finally, real solid personal follow-up. It may seem a bit out, out of date and antiquated, but actually the quickest path to a two-way conversation will generate you more, more sales from your leads. Emma. <laughs> Uh, that I'm definitely as well going to persevere yeah, taking upon myself to, to do for future stuff as well so thank you really great um so in the in the kind of earlier slides when you're talking about the the four the four kind of stages I suppose and the pain points and things like that um do you ever come across um people that maybe don't actually know what their pain point is you know what the pain point is and you know that you've got a solution for it yeah. they might not actually know and, and what I mean by that it could be for instance you know, looking at two years ago, a lot of event organisers wouldn't have really run virtual events, wouldn't even mm -hmm. thought about running virtual events because they ran physical events, thought that worked fine, didn't see a need for it. 
obviously being forced to, to do everything online now and I've actually mm -hmm. seen that it does actually generate more interest, they can get more mm -hmm. attendees, they get better results. So is that something that you come across and, and how, how would you approach that if someone yes. doesn't necessarily know what their pain point actually is? So, so um, I can give you two examples there. So that's very common that people don't know what the pain point is or the customer, the end customer, doesn't see that they have a problem. In our instant resource, we actually help people find that. That's one of the things that's in the resource. But um, what tends to happen is human beings always try to treat the symptoms of a problem, not the, um, the real problem. So for an example, um, let's say a, a physical in-person event isn't performing. The, um, they immediately decide to do more marketing because we need, they're locked into, we need more people to sign up to our event, more marketing. They don't look at, is the right messaging coming across? They just want to increase output. So it's always symptoms. A bit like when you have a cold, topical, topical example, customers, uh, you, me, if we get a cold, we might get a runny nose, watery eyes. The first thing we do is we don't look and go, oh, I've got these um, uh, cells in my body that's causing me to do this. We actually go, I need a tissue. Yeah. So we always go for the symptoms of the problem. So I would I would look at, okay, this is the real problem. What's the symptoms that causes? What's the thing? So sluggish signups, um, um, uh, struggling to get clients with budget because physical events are really expensive. So you can start to map out what are the symptoms. But then some of the great ways we've been using online events and I might give away um, something valuable here as a, as a selling tool is that what we're doing is we're doing online events, Sounds free good. online events, targeting specific geographical areas with the aim that they are the upsell people to the physical event. So we'll target London with an online event use that online event as a marketing tool for an in-person event. I kind of drifted into something else there, but sorry. No, no, that, no, that's great. That, that's really interesting. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I think people just kind of, the marketing messages might just not be targeted off, might just be a bit muddled or they're just throwing all the stuff out there and hoping something sticks. So I think, yeah, it's super important to, to make sure that you understand what's actually going to resonate with, with who you're talking to before you even... Mm start to even think about market an event especially a big scale one so mm -hmm. so no great um and in terms of kind of you mentioned um using uh, free resources um and asking people to email to request those um is there anything else kind of during an event itself that um you would class as a lead um, do you use anything like kind of maybe I don't know live chats with with sales team manning them or, or anything like that that you you use to measure leads during an event um yeah, so what we will do is in the event, I mean, this is more about the mechanics of the event than anything else, is you've got to keep, once you get people, you know, we all know this, people sign up, not everybody who signs up shows up, but when the people show up, because it's online, um, you've got a unique opportunity in terms of you can influence them at a relatively lower cost than an in-person event, um, but you've got to hold their attention. So, the chat is a brilliant way of holding attention. So asking questions. One important thing that's worth noting as well is 
if you're a bit like in a in an in-person event, if you want somebody to think about something, you've got to give them time to think about it. That's how you land the deeper thoughts. That's how you get them to think more. And sometimes just asking more questions prompts people to think more. And you might go, well, I just want to get my message out. I just want to say what I want to say. But the more questions you ask, the more deeper people think and the more deeper people consider you. So asking questions and getting people to chat about it, asking questions in a series does help people see the need. Sense, yeah. Um, in terms of the follow-up stuff that you talked about, um, I personally think that event follow-up is um, quite a neglected area. I think a lot of people kind of maybe send out like a link to the on-demand, might do a social post mm -hmm. and that's about it. Obviously you talk about all the work that then goes into the follow-up on Maverick's mm -hmm. side, um, kind of LinkedIn messages, things like that. Um, does that differ depending on what platform you maybe use for an event? For instance, would you focus more on um, Facebook, if you did a Facebook Live or LinkedIn, if you did um, an event on, link, uh, on LinkedIn, um, would you do emails if it was on Zoom or, or anything like that? Is, does it change depending on, on where the event sat or do you um, have quite a blanket approach? Um, we, will, we will look at what we deliberately choose. Obviously, there's different channels. People, we, we register do the events across all the channels. So we're getting people from Facebook, from Eventbrite, from, from LinkedIn. They're coming from every which way they can. So we will try and follow them up in the, in the way that they signed up. So if they've come from Facebook, we'll go back to Facebook. If they're usually on Facebook, they'll come and sign up by email anyway. Um, but we're trying to follow up in a way, it, mirroring the way they signed up. Um, and we keep it really personal, really low key. And in terms of that personalization, um, again, I think a lot of people probably just personalize whether they attended, whether they didn't attend, maybe put the name or the industry in. Is there anything key that you realized that you, well, you A, can actually get from an event as a stuff that you're maybe asking on registration forms that you can take from that or just anything um, um, how, that you that you think's really worked in terms of that personalization? So um, I have a slightly different view on, on sign-up forms. So what I, sometimes sign-up forms, um, Remember, if you're putting an event up, sometimes people are considering it in seconds. And so we opted for, let's reduce the barriers to attending. So at the moment, on, on LinkedIn, for an example, you only need to click a button. And it ha manually registers them. On Facebook, they have to uh, click a button and register. So what we've done is gone first name, last name, email address. And that means sometimes we don't know who uh, the person is on the other side. But what we generally do is is literally before we follow up with anybody, we do a quick search on LinkedIn just to see who they are. Um, and that's generally what we would do to, to reduce the barriers to attending. Okay, great. And is that something that you've started doing quite recently or is that something that you've kind of implemented for, for a while now? Um, when we started to put company names in and things like that, we discovered that people were more hesitant to fill all their details in because they go, what's coming back off the back of this? And am I going to phone calls and all this kind of, uh, so we kept it really simple. Um, 
sometimes that makes it difficult because if you've got two Peter Smiths, we don't know which Peter Smith it is, but we'd rather have Peter Smith there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so in terms of, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I feel like a lot of event organisers would probably use time constraints as an excuse not to really personalise or um, really do some targeted follow-ups. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of the kind of the reasons or excuses are that they just don't have enough time. So is there mm -hmm. anything that you've found that works that might not you know, no, by no means kind of a, a quick win or a quick fix, because obviously well, that's not what it's about, but I anything you, that... I can give you an example. Yeah. So we did in-person events, and half a million quid a year of our revenue came from in-person events, plus all of the, you know, upsells and, you know, knock-on effects of doing an in-person event. And we did those with 12 people. We now do a hundred and something thousand every year now, hands down, people through our online events. We have 31 people and pulling a million quid from online events. Wow. And guess how much we spent on advertising? How much? Like maybe 10 grand. Right. <laughs> so, right. so the success of an event particularly an online event and particularly free events, which are easy to easier to get signups for, is the follow-up. Right. So for me, um, event managers will hate me for saying this, is why would you bother putting the event on if you didn't do the work at the end to get the sale? Yeah, that's the most important bit. Yeah. Um, sadly, we have to work a bit to get sales these days. It used to be a bit easier maybe five years ago, but now it's a bit more competitive. So what I would do is, and this is what I did, I effectively just, uh, as we did an event, I, I basically grinned and bared it with the amount of work we had to do at the initial stages and just go, we've just got to do it. So I was staying later to do the office work. I was working late to do the office work to do the personal follow-ups. And then once you've got through that, you see the benefit of it and it becomes about actually I just need somebody to do this because it's revenue. And so we just then went, actually, if I just keep doing this and then we train somebody else to do it, somebody else to do it. There's now five people following up all our events full time. So it yeah. didn't start with, oh, let's hire a load of people and we haven't got a big, massive bank balance or anything. We've scaled up in a pandemic with the money in our pockets. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just that shift in, in, in what people and businesses see as priority, isn't it? A lot of them yeah. will just run the event um, and then it's like straight on to the next event. What can we do? Um, and it's not nurturing all those people, like you say, that, yeah. that have watched it. And they're going to be in that mindset when they go on social media the next day and see the next event that pops up and easily forget about your event. So, yeah, so yeah that I think that's definitely key. Uh, if anyone takes anything from today's episode, that should be like one of the number one things, definitely. Um, tons of great stuff that Dean said, but that one is definitely going to stick with me, I think, um, for all the, the future stuff that we do, especially with Unmuted. So, so yeah, that's great. Um, I'm just looking at time because we have actually had a few uh, audience questions come in. So I'll, I'll go on to those. Um, so one person's asked what more can event planners do with social media to grab the attention and get people to attend an event so uh, all of our events are pr predominantly promoted through social media literally everything um i would say um 
LinkedIn, in terms of LinkedIn, LinkedIn events are huge in terms of getting people to register. They're mammoth. And because you can get the registration form built into them, you can capture the registration info on LinkedIn. A bit of a pain in the butt to import it into whatever event platform you're using or however you're going to do it. But it's massive. I would also um, say with so social media generally, you can't just go on when you choose to and promote your event. You have to be consistently using it because the algorithms work against you. So sometimes I see people and they go, they made this kick-ass event and it looks brilliant. It looks amazing. But then they put it out on their social profiles and it's like flat. Um, it is about building something up. It is about using it regularly and consistently. So I'd be grow using all your social platforms regularly so that when you're ready to do the event, people know you exist. Interesting stat, by the way. It takes seven days for somebody to forget who you are on social media. Seven days. Wow, that's quite scary, really, isn't it? Yeah. So literally, Emma, we could finish today, and we're connected on LinkedIn. And if if you if we don't interact together in seven days, maybe not seven days because we've done this, but typically in seven days, you won't, you'll go, "Who's that person again?" And you won't remember. Our memories are so short on social media. Yeah, that's quite terrifying, yeah. Okay, noted, definitely, yeah. Every seven days is going to be dropping a high so that we don't forget each other. You're going to be sick yeah. of me by the end of the year. Um, another question here, um, what could you do to qualify leads in or out of during the events? So you've kind of covered this off a little bit, but, uh, but they've just said here that they don't want to waste sales time following up with attendees who aren't a good fit. So, so when you do your free resource... Number one, your event should be targeted to people who have a need for you and, and you know that. So that's number one. So you qualify by the event, then you qualify by the free resource. So if you're struggling to understand your customer's pain points, perhaps you're, and then you can give examples, perhaps you're a technology company, perhaps you're, you know, you've got a, a large sales team and they don't understand who it is. We've got a free resource, ping. You can have it. Here's the email. And then just LinkedIn, check them. Great. Um, one more question. Sorry, I'm just looking at the time. So I think, right, we'll fit one more question in. Do you have a limit on how many events you run per year to avoid event fatigue? No. <laughs> no? Is there I no run, such thing? I know I run, obviously you've been running kind of a lot of workshops events, and stuff. Two events a week and we average four to 500 people. And wow. some people will go, oh, yeah, yeah, but you're this, that, the other. We didn't do any events of this scale 16 months ago. We just threw ourselves in because we had to, because our all of our butts were on the fire. Yeah. So yeah. you just make it work. Yeah. And I think, like you say, again, it, it, it's all, it all boils down to the, the work that you put into actually mm. making the content a bit different, um, yeah, targeting the right people and all that kind of stuff, I guess. Yeah. If you do all that stuff right, no one should ever have fatigue about your events because you're not going to be talking about the same things. It's not going to be generic stuff that mm. doesn't really resonate with someone. So The yeah. other thing that's interesting as well is once you've done an event, uh, and I'm speaking in a particular frame here, so this won't be relevant to everybody. When you do a, an event, you can very quickly go, actually, that event was a success and we got 200 people, 1,000 people, whatever the number is, and then go, 
well, hang on a minute. Our market isn't 200 or 1,000 people. There's other people who want to hear this event. So we repurpose the same event. If it was successful, we'll repurpose it and redo it maybe a month or two months down the road for a different crowd and to deliberately target a different crowd. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I think we've had a, an, an episode on Unmuted all about kind of how you can repurpose event content and, and push more stuff out on social media. But I guess that is a different take on it. That's Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Mm. Um, something, again, that... I'm sure a lot of event planners probably wouldn't even think of doing mm. and something that you can do with an online event as well, much mm. easier than a physical event. So great. Um, well, that's probably all we've got time for um, for today's episode. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Dean. That's been really great. And like I say, lots of great stuff there that I'm definitely going to be taking home and, uh, and putting into our kind of strategy going forward with StreamGo as well. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unmuted. If you liked it, we have plenty more that cover so many different topics around running better online events, each with a different expert from the marketing and events world. Or you can head over to unmuted-show.com to watch the full video series version and get the most out of this content. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on the series, so please give us a follow on social at unmuted underscore show and send your thoughts our way. Hope to see you all on the next episode.